morning. morning. How you guys doing? Man, worship was on point this morning. Wasn't that awesome? I'm telling you. You say awesome, Colin. I say dope. You know, they mean the same exact thing. Welcome to Camarillo Community Church. My name is David Hurtado. I'm the lead pastor here, and I always do a special welcome. If you are our guest, just know I'll be out in the patio afterwards. Love to meet you, put a face with a name kind of thing, and uh, just welcome you myself. If you, I promise you won't bite, so feel free to come and say hello. Sometimes there's a little bit of a line, but I try to get to everybody, so please uh, uh, utilize that. We're in this series called Illuminate, and they're really talking about our values moving forward, and, and, I, and I've described values this way, that's how I view them, that they're really anchor points for us. So if we're a ship and we're, and we're you know, kind of uh, docked off the coast of Catalina, uh, an anchor would keep us from going adrift. And these values are like that. They keep us anchored and, and, and away from getting, going adrift. And so we talked about the first week, uh, community impact, that one of the values that we have, we saw it on, at Jeremiah 29. If you didn't get to see that message, please go back online and, and listen to it because, or watch it online because it's going to be so pivotal for us moving forward that we want to make community impact. We're not just going to be about these four walls coming in here and let's worship together. Great song, great music. Give me the Bible and I leave. No, this is the huddle. We plan the play. Boom. Let's head out of these doors and let's make a community. Let's make impact in our community. Regardless of whether they ever believe what we believe, we still want to make an impact. And so we have that school drive, which you guys are knocking that out of the park. Kenny will tell you about that later. And uh, that's the next week that we'll bring that. But that'll be kind of the mode moving forward as we go forward. We'll do these community impact initiatives that we will uh, get together and say, how can we make a difference in the community? So the community says to us, man, if that church was ever going to close its door, we got to make sure it stays open because they make such an impact in our community. And so that's number one. Number two was the Word of God, and we talked about it last week and how we're going to take the Word of God and we're going to put it up here. And in my life, it's not going to be down here or even in the middle. I'm going to take the Word and I'm going to put it up here. And as a church, that's what we're going to do. We're going we're to take the Word of God and say whatever it says, even in the hard things, we're going to listen to it. It may be difficult at times. Some things are hard to process. And man, I don't always measure up this thing, but that's why it's up here. And that's why I put it up here. And that's why I'm trying to live my life by it. And so the idea is this will be our number one priority. It will be our number one priority as a church. And I'm hoping that it will be number one priority in your life too, that you rank your life underneath this thing. And today we're going to look at another one. We're going to look at another one. We're going to look at biblical community, gospel community, biblical community, uh, a Christian community, biblical Christian gospel community, however you want to call it, that the Bible describes that as we are as a church, that there are some relational things that I should do towards you and you should do towards me if we really want to espouse this idea of community that the Bible talks about. And so we're going to look at that today and kind of flush that out together. But first I want to start by saying this. Many of you guys know that 14 years ago, uh, my mother passed away, lost her battle with cancer. Um, it was a really rough time for me, obviously, uh, going through that. Um, but I had gotten to the point, I was about 23, 24 years old, and uh, I had gotten to the point where I really started to appreciate my mother in a new level. Um, you get to adulthood, you, you get past your teen years, you get in your young 20s, and all of a sudden you're going, you, your brain processes things like, wow, look at the things that she went through for us and how she was able to overcome these things and, and, and keep a great attitude in, in spite of all that life gave her. Uh, got married early, her husband comes down with cancer within the first year of their marriage, he's going to die. She's got to deal with that. I want to be his widow. I want to live there for him. I want to be there with him till his last day. Uh, that's her whole heart and all that. And then she becomes a single parent mother. She's raising two boys. We're kind of growing up in the hood. All the difficulty, all the things that are going on there. And yet she never uh, had a negative word to say. Always optimistic about life. 
How can you be optimistic about life in that scenario? Many times having to be the mother and the father for us boys growing up and still being optimistic about life. But that optimism only has so much of a limited effect on cancer. And I remember she passed away uh, a day after we got to come home and say goodbye to her. She went home to be with the Lord. And uh, I remember uh, being part of a church family at that time. And the church was wonderful. They embraced us. They loved us. And, and they were there for us in that difficult, difficult period. And there's this one particular family um, that remind me a lot of my heritage. as a Hispanic family. And uh, um, the, the, there was a couple boys that I kind of grew up with in the church from that family. The mother was a short little lady. She was kind of pudgy. My mother was short, kind of pudgy. Uh, she'd make meals for us. My mother made Hispanic meals. So all that Hispanic kind of cultural stuff was there. And, uh, and uh, they invited us over, and it was still very raw. It was still just within the first week of my mom passing away. And I remember um, kind of reliving it, reliving it for you right now, but I remember walking in the living room and seeing a Mama Orozco. We call her Mama Orozco. And she, uh, she said, Mijo, come over here. And uh, Mijo is a, is a very um, beautiful term in Hispanic culture. Mijito, mijo, just means my son, my beloved son, my love, I love you so. I said, and my mom would use those same words. And she said, uh, mijo, come over here. And she stepped up on a coffee table because she couldn't reach me. I was too tall. And she's so short. <laughs> she grabbed me. She said, come here. And so she grabbed me and she put my head in her shoulder and she said, mijo, it's okay. She said, uh, I will be your mother now and you will be my son. The irony was that she had lost a boy um, at least 10 or 15 years prior. He was older than I was, and he had taken the car for a spin and flipped the car and died. Didn't have a license, and so it was a tragic event. And so she had been going through life without a boy. And here I just recently lost a mother. And so somehow we were able to meet that need for each other. And they meant it. We became like family. So if there was a dinner after church, we were invited. If there was a birthday dinner, we were invited. If it was Easter, we were invited. If there was a barbecue, we were invited. If it was Christmas, we were invited. Christmas was my favorite because prime rib was like the tradition. I was like, yes. Um, sorry, Kenny. And, <laughs> uh, and uh, you know, I don't know if I can explain that interaction without using these two words. I don't know how I could describe this interaction to you Without, but, but, but by saying these two words, it was just family deep. It was family deep. Like even though uh, we, we didn't share the same complexion or skin color or, or, or DNA or blood running through the veins or, 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 or anything like that, or, that nature, but I would just tell you our, our relationship together was family deep. Like it was deep. Uh, um, I just went back last month to San Francisco as a memorial service, and you better believe the first house I went to was Mom and Pops Orozco and give them big hugs. Why? Because the family deep. And, and fam, I don't know if you've ever experienced anything like that where somebody who doesn't look like you or, 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 or is the same age as you or, or comes from the same multicultural background as you or, or is of the same socioeconomic level as you or any of those, and all of a sudden, for some reason, you have a bond together where you're family deep, where, where you just go deep together like family. And I don't know how to describe that, except for that's, that's what it was. And that's what it still is. And we still think of it fondly. That's why there's still emotion attached to it. 
And today we're going to look at that idea today of being family deep, the biblical value uh, of being a, a biblical community or gospel community or, or Christian community, authentic Christian, whatever you want to call it, that, that the Bible describes that when we get together, there should be some kind of an element that we go family deep together. We're going to look at that together today and use it as an anchor point for our church moving forward. Three ways we should go family deep. Three ways the scriptures outline how our relationships to one another should be family deep. We're going to list out what family deep looks like in our relationship towards one another. That you have a responsibility to me and I have a responsibility to you to go family deep. And for that, we're going to be in the Bible. So make sure you open up your Bible together. Uh, we're going to be in all kinds of assorted passages today. I don't usually function this way. This is not my norm. Uh, there's a difference between systematic theology and biblical theology. Systematic theology is when, you, when you, you scour the whole Bible and you look on one topic and you rank all these passages underneath that and, and you, you say, this is what the Bible has to say about that topic. That's what we're doing today. We're going to look at the, a topic of biblical community, okay? But you do a lot of passages. Another style called biblical theology where you just you go through one passage and no no matter what other pastors talk about, you're going to just focus in on that and dig in deep on that one. That's more of my mode. That's usually, that's where I'm home. That's where, um, that, that's where I do my, I feel like God's rung me that way. But today, regardless, we're going to do this more topical style and, uh, and see what the Bible has to say about biblical community. I say that to you because there's going to be a lot of passages on the screen. If you can't flip there, you might just want to jot them down and know where to go later. All right, so we're looking at several passages today, but I want you to take a look at, make, take a mental note on each of these passages, each of these verses. I want you to take a mental note, maybe highlight if you have a Bible with you or, or write down, but whenever you see the word one another or each other, I want you to take a mental note of that. Whenever you see the word one or the words one another or each other, take a mental note of it, all right? And so first we're going to look at three things on the screen that are essential for going family deep. Number one, love. Number one, love. Three things that are essential for going family deep, and it just makes sense. If we're going to talk about family, and you want to go family deep, you better have love. Can you imagine a family without love? Uh, you can't go family deep without love. You have to have love. You can't have family dynamics without it. And so let's look at that. A couple passages. Look at Romans 12. It says this. Be devoted to one another. There goes that one another. In brotherly love, honor one another above yourselves. So be devoted to one another in brotherly love. Honor one another above yourselves. Romans 12. 1 Peter chapter 1 says, love one another deeply from the heart. What kind of love is this? It's a deep love for one another. You see the one another again? deeply from the heart. It's got to be love. Make your love increase and overflow for each other, according to 1 Thessalonians. So in this relation, he's not talking to people who, who are next of kin. He's not talking to people who have the same DNA. He's not talking. These passages aren't. They're to churches. So obviously you should love your family members. Obviously you should love your mother. Obviously you should love your kids. All those things are true. But now when you talk about the assembly or the biblical community, the people who gather together as a church, he's saying you're to love one another, that your love would increase for each other and overflow for each other. Uh, John 13 says this, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. Later on in that same passage, by this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love who? One another. You're seeing these one another's over and over, one another, one another, each other, one another, one another. So as a biblical community, if you truly want to live according to the scriptures on how he would have us live, that I am to love you and you are to love me. That we're supposed to have this family deep bond where it could be said that we have brotherly love, that we love deeply, that we, our love increases, that it overflows. 
And he uses this. Did you see that in the 13? A new command I give you, love one another. What's new about that? You ever ask questions like that? A new com- Jesus, you walk on the earth and you tell everybody, hey, I have a profound new commandment for you. You should love one another. Really? Well, what did, did the Old Testament not tell us to love one another? What, what are you talking about there? What, what's going on there? What he's saying is there's a new idea behind this love in the sense of the manner by which you should love. In fact, I'm going to be the example. I, I'm going to die for my enemies. I love each other by the same virtue that I'm loving you. The example that you see of love in me, that's the love that you should have for others. It's a different manner of love. And that makes it a new command. It's sacrificial in nature that I would give up my life for you even though you're alienated towards me. And by the way, in John chapter 13, I'm not going to try to dive too much into each passage, but it's hard for me not to. Um, John chapter 13, earlier in that passage, he washes their feet. So he goes in there, they go to a party. Now, obviously, he is like the, the decorated uh, uh, person at this party. He is like the, the VIP person at the party. He walks in, they should be washing his feet, and instead he says, I'm going to wash your feet. This is the type of love that you are to emulate moving forward. That just as I wash your feet and I'm going to die for you, that's the love you should have for one another. And by the way, if you accomplish this type of love, this will be the very thing that others will look at and say, oh, those must be those Christ followers. See how they love each other? See how they love each other. Uh, By this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. See how they sacrifice for each other? See how they're always there for each other? When one person's down, another person steps up. They don't leave each other high and dry. They're always, it's it's almost like they're like family. But they're not. They must be those Christians. They must be those guys that follow Christ. You cannot go family deep without love. You can't read these passages without the unmistakable conclusion that to be followers of Christ, there's a responsibility of me towards you and you towards me. And that is responsibility of love. It is essential dynamic in family and it is the essential dynamic in gospel community. So three things that are essential for going family deep. Number one was love. Number two is dependability. Dependability. The, the idea that you can depend on me and I can depend on you. That there are going to be times where I have to depend on you, and there are going to be times where you have to depend on me, and that's okay. Why? Because we're family deep. Because we're family deep. We go get deep together. We love each other. And so we're going to look at dependability in the sense of being there for each other. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12 says, serve one another in love. Serve, there goes the one another's again. Uh, serve one another in love. Each of you should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, 1 Peter chapter 4. And the idea is when you come into this community, this body of Christ, and you place your faith in Jesus Christ, you become part of this body, you become a son of God himself, you become in the family of God, and when that happens, he promises you that he'll give you a gift or an ability that you can use to serve the community, to serve the body of Christ. And he says in 1 Peter, each one of you should use whatever gift he's received to serve others that I have a responsibility towards you and you have a responsibility towards me that we can depend on each other. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Do that. I was the example. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling, according to 1 Peter chapter 4. Be there for each other. Be hospitable to each other. Serve one another. Depend on each other. This is true gospel christian biblical community that's what it is that's what he's describing 
And um, sometimes it shows up in difficult times. I remember we had just moved to Arizona about four or five years ago, and Meredith and, and Donovan were like wrestling on the couch or something, and Donovan went for his like full spread jump, you know, and uh, caught Meredith's leg in the air, and Meredith's trying to deflect him, and when, when, when he jumped his full body on her leg, it pushed her leg all the way up in her pelvis, and like broke her pelvis, like broke a piece of her pelvis off, and we went, I remember going and getting scans and whatnot, and, and so we're in Arizona, 400 miles away from anybody who, who is, you know, could remotely be called family, and my wife can't move, and, and we've got, you know, kids, we've got to put them in school, and you know what, the church showed up. People who barely knew us showed up. All of a sudden, people are coming and bringing, up, bringing over meals to our house. Somebody's coming over to clean the house. Somebody's coming over to help Meredith move herself. Somebody's coming over to taxi kids back and forth. And it was beautiful. It was, it was a point in our lives where we needed, we had to depend on someone else. We couldn't do it ourselves. And the church of God said, you know what? We're going to be family deep together. And we're going to step up. I still remember all those acts of kindness. And maybe you've had situations like that in your life too where you know, somebody stepped up and said, you know what? We're not going to let you drown on your own. No, 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 we're family deep. I'm not going to let you drown on your own. We're going to help you. We're going to do it. Even though you don't, you don't have our DNA, even though you don't have our blood flowing in your veins, we're going to be there. You can depend on me, and there's going to be a day where I need to depend on you. And this is what makes, what makes this even more special, and this is, this is where I get excited, is that this kind of family deep community is offered to anyone in the church, regardless of race, ethnicity, ethnicity family name or reputation, social economic status or political affiliation. It doesn't matter. We, we come in and we're together in this idea that we're the body of Christ, that, that we're Christ followers, we're in the family of God, and by virtue of that, we have this community together where we go family team, no matter what you vote, no matter what color your skin is, no matter how much money you have. It's beautiful. Where else can you find that in the world? I found one other place you can find that in the world. It's uh, in a New York subway. I, have. I went on a New York subway, and I was like, oh my gosh, this is profound. I wanted to stay on the subway all day long. Because I couldn't believe you'd see this guy with a Rolodex you know, watch sitting next to a guy who lives on the street. Where else can you see that kind of thing? Black, white, Hispanic, it doesn't matter. Old, young, everybody uses a subway in New York. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And it's just a picture of what we see in the church. I mean, just look around. We have every different demographic, every different direction. And God says you are to depend on each other no matter what the background no matter what the background. Look what it says in Romans uh, chapter 12. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of what? Lower position, low position. Do not be conceited. Well, I got money. I don't hang out with people like that. Well, I'm of this uh, ethnicity. That person's of that ethnicity. Well, I, you know, I only hang out with Republicans. I don't hang out with Democrats. All that, no, no, no. No, check out that stuff at the door. You come in here, we're all the body of Christ. We're family, family deep. And you associate with anybody, no matter what the background is. My brothers, as believers in our glorious Lord Jesus Christ, do not show favoritism, according to James chapter 2. I have equal concern for each other, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Accept one another as Christ has accepted to you. And in James chapter 2, what was going on there is, is basically what was going on. There's a church there, and they were setting aside seats for the rich people. Well, they give more, and they really keep this thing more afloat, so let's give them the VIP section. So when you come to church, you can have, you know, the skybox. 
That's what was going on. And it's like, no, that should never be that way. Don't show favorites. Everybody walks in. I don't care how much money you have. I don't care what's in your 403B. I don't care how, how accomplished you are. If your name's in lights, it does not matter. When you walk in this room, we are all believers in Jesus Christ, and he's the only one who gets the fame. And so we are all equal in that sense. No matter what your background is, what color, not, nothing of that matters. That's why I love the church. It's so cool. And where, where else can you find this type of thing? Accept each other. It's just as Christ accepted you. Can you imagine a, a Jesus discriminating against anybody? I mean, just look at his life when he walked on earth. No, no, I know I could go hang out with all the religious folks and be popular with them, but no, I'd rather go hang out with a leper. I'd rather go hang out with a prostitute. I want to go with the people, the lower position. I want them to know that God comes near to them too. Beautiful, beautiful. And we're to emulate that in the church. Favoritism very quickly becomes discrimination if you're not careful. <laughs> uh, I struggled on whether I should share this or not, but I'm going to share it. Um, good friend of mine, black guy named Jermaine, and uh, we met in the church and became great, great friends, like really, really good friends. And he'd call me every February, and he'd leave me a message on my voicemail. This is a true story. I promise you this is not a lie. And you're like, hey, Pastor Dave, it's, it's Jermaine calling you. How you doing, my man? I, I know you're going to call me this month. I know, I, I know you're going to call me this month. It's Black History Month. And so I know you're, I'm your black friend. It's Black History Month. So you're going to call me in Black History Month. I know you're going to do it. And so I decided I'd call you, let you know, in case you forgot it's Black History Month. You've got to call your black friend. <laughs> and he would leave that on my, my, on my voicemail. Of course, I'd play it for my wife. And we start cracking up for days. And the reason it's funny, the, why is it so funny? Because I never realized he's black. Well, come on, I knew he was black. But you know what I'm saying? To me, he was, it's never about, any, there's nothing, that doesn't mean anything to me. No, no, you are a brother in Christ, a blood-bought brother in Jesus Christ. That's all I see. And, and it's the church is the vehicle. What other vehicle in society do you find that? Where people say, man, I feel closer to you no matter what your background is. I feel close because we believe the same thing. Because, because Jesus has brought us into the light and we, our eyes have been opened. I have more connection with you as a brother in Christ than I do my own biological brother who doesn't know him. It's an unbelievable profound truth that you only find in the church. You can depend on me. I can depend on you. No matter what you look like. No matter what your DNA says. No matter what blood type you have. Why? Because we're family deep. Because we're family deep. Never forget this lady in our church came up to me. Pastor Dave, you know, if you ever need me, you, you, you know, you know I'm here for you. I go, oh, man, thank you, Cynthia. I really appreciate that. No, no, you don't understand, David. If you ever need a mortgage payment, you're going to come to me. If you ever can't pay the rent, you're going to come to me. And if you ever need a car payment, you're going to come to me. Because we got each other. We depend on each other. We're family deep. Oh, man almost brought me to tears. I couldn't believe that. Wow. Where else can you find something like that? Three things that are essential for going family deep. Number one is love. Number two is dependability. We depend on each other. You depend on me. I depend on you. And number three is accountability. Number three is accountability. This is the, the sandpaper to wood type of thing. Yeah, sandpaper. Take a piece of paper, put a whole bunch of rocks and glue it on there. And then you take that and you, you rub it against wood and you go back and forth and heat develops in between the two. And, and after a while, when you do that and you go back and run your fingers along the wood, it's nice and smooth, right? But it didn't get nice and smooth until you ran the sandpaper over it many times. Had you run your fingers across the wood before you sandpapered it, you might have got a splinter. 
And in the process of this friction comes this smoothness. And that's what accountability is in the Christian life. Let's look at this. Therefore, um, encourage one another and build each other up, just as in fact you are doing, 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. Encourage each other. My job is to encourage you to build you up. That's one, of, that's one of my responsibilities as a believer towards you just because you're in the family of God. Let's keep on going. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another in all wisdom. As you sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs and gratitude in, 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 your, in your hearts to the Lord. Colossians chapter 3. So I'm also supposed to teach and even admonish sometimes. Man, I love you enough to tell this, man, brother. I, I tell you the way you treat your wife is not, it's, man, I, I, I love you enough to tell you. I say this in all love, but you've got to figure out how to treat her better than that. If you're doing this in public, it makes me wonder what you're doing in private. I, I love you enough to tell you this. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm going to admonish you. I'm going to teach you. I'm going to build you up and encourage you at the same time. Never done in judgment. Look at Galatians chapter 6. Carry each other's burdens. The, the idea is that, and, and I, I would love to develop this. We'll teach this another, another day. But, but the idea is whether or not I bring this on to myself and I've made decisions in my life and they're, they're counter to God and, and what his will was for me and therefore they're, for, they're sinful, they're against God's plan and because of that now I've got all this burden to carry. Now, man, I, I, I'm stuck on this sin and i got this burden to carry and, and the Bible talks about, no, you never carry that burden on your own. That another brother comes over and says, no, I'm going to help you over here. And a sister comes over, I'm going to help you over here. And we're going to carry this thing together. Even though you brought it on to yourself and you are the ones to blame, there are people there to carry this thing with you. But it's not only whether it's sinful burdens, whether or not just life dealt me a difficult burden, like my wife getting her, 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 her pelvis being broken. People say, we're going to carry this burden with you. We will not leave you alone. You'll have somebody else around here to carry this with you. Carry each other's burdens. If you want to do a study, go to Galatians chapter 6. It's an unbelievable passage. One day we'll develop it more. Then this one. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you might be healed. How many people actually take God up on that one? Not only did I mess up, not only did I confess it to God, but I'm going to confess it to another brother or sister in Christ. And why would God suggest doing that? Well, because in the process, you might find accountability, wouldn't you? Man, I would, last Friday night, I don't normally do this, but man, I went out and I had too much to drink. Oh, man, we love you in Christ. And we need to get back on that horse, man, and, and start running again. But you better believe I'm going to ask you in two weeks, have you been drinking? Where are you at with this? And I'm going to walk with you in this. I'm never going to push you down and, and drown you in the water, but I'm going to be a support. We're going to carry this burden together. You will not be on your own with this. You look at these ideas here. Encourage, teach, admonish, carry burdens, confess. These are not passive ideas. It's the sports analogy, you know. We're all on the same team, and if one person falters, then we all lose. And so we're all going to be in this together, and everybody does their own responsibility. Everybody carries their own little portion of the burden. And when we all do that together, the burden becomes lighter. Lighter. 